Good morning. This is Pastor Daniel Arellano here. I'm in the studio at KCHF TV in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, it's a special time for us because we're uh, coming to you from the studio uh, to minister to you this morning. And uh, we wanted to start out with uh, sharing my testimony. Many of you guys have uh, have seen me uh, often on KCHF TV Channel 11 with uh, some broadcasting over the years uh, throughout the 20-some years of ministry, uh, we've been invited by the Rock Christian Fellowship uh, to come and participate to share our testimony with God Answers Prayers with Linda and Ted. And uh, I've been a guest of Blackie Gonzalez, the late Blackie Gonzalez, who is the founder of this TV. And uh, we're just so grateful that his ministry and his legacy still continues. Uh, earlier, I was reading a little bit about the history of the ministry and it was one of the first uh, Christian televisions in the country, uh, and here in New Mexico, it was one of the. It was he pioneered Christian television. So this morning we're grateful to to that legacy and his ministry, and because of uh, his pioneering, I'm able to come to you, uh, in your home, in your prison cell, in your jail cell, wherever you're watching this, uh, to be able to just encourage you this morning in the Lord, and to just let you to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you and he's thinking about you. You know, since March, our nation has been on a shutdown. Uh, a lot of the places that we usually would minister at uh, are closed, uh, prisons, jails. Uh, there's not any type of volunteerism taking place. Uh, fortunately for the churches, we've been uh, able to minister to our churches. Pastors have gone online and have worshiped and have uh, participated uh with their saints through communion and teaching the Word of God by video and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but there's some places that we can't reach through Instagram and Facebook. And so uh, I bless the Lord that He opened this door uh, to be able to minister to you this morning. Uh, I want to share my testimony real briefly about how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I was uh, 11 years old when my grandparents moved from Santa Maria, California, to Española, New Mexico, to Northern New Mexico was their home place. And so my grandfather in his 70s decided to move back to Northern New Mexico where uh, he hailed from. And uh, Española, New Mexico became my home since the age of 13. At the age of 13, uh, I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol and skipping school. Uh, and eventually got uh, sent to uh, the court system for truancy. And the courts um, summarized my life and the court documents. They said the child habitually uh, is truant from school, is uh, disobedient to his parents and cannot be uh, governed by his parents. So therefore, he is in need of rehabilitation. And they summed up my life. And so I... Um, at the age of 13, began to begin uh, to be incarcerated uh, in different institutions. At the age of 13, I was on YDDC. That's, that's just down the street right here from the studio on either Boulevard. I was in, in and out of juvenile hall for many times, for many years uh, during my teenage years, and was also um, in places like treatment facilities, uh, mental treatment facilities, anger management facilities, uh, with different types of people. Growing up, I grew up with my uncles who were in and out of prison. They were ex-cons. Uh, I had an uncle I just recently buried uh, who did many years in the Southern California prisons. And uh, all my life he was in prison. He was in prison for over 30 years. We finally buried him right before coronavirus. It's a mystery how the Lord works. That He was not able to see his family for many years. And a coronavirus struck right before uh, the airplanes, you know, were, were, were brought down and airports were shut down. We buried him in Sacramento, California, just before 
you know, travel stop. So I was privileged to be able to minister to my uncle by by letter, uh, by phone call. Uh, was able to minister and reach to him. So some, just kind of sort of a unique um, twist and a unique uh, call that God placed on my life to reach uh, inmates in prison or in jail, people that uh, I can identify with. You know, my uncles were in and out of prison. They lost their families at a young age. They didn't raise their children. And uh, for me, it always kind of was a model that I looked to. I looked to them as uh, my models, but I really found out that that life was leading to nowhere and there was nothing there for me. At the age of 13, I had a probation officer. His name was Milo Garcia. And Milo Garcia said, Daniel, you've tried treatment centers. We've tried uh, rehabilitation centers. Nothing's worked for you. He said, have you tried Jesus? And I remember the day that I went to his office and his chalkboard, he had a circle and he wrote behind him all the institutions that I had been at. And then right in the center, he put the word Jesus. And he said, have you tried Jesus? And uh, for me, that was foreign. It was, you know, kind of uh, unexpected that someone would ask me if I tried Jesus. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Uh, that was in April of 1991. Shortly after that, we got picked up, me and Carlos, another young man from Santa Fe. We got picked up there at the juvenile hall in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And then we were driven to San Angelo, Texas. In San Angelo, Texas, they began uh, to minister, uh, minister to us and disciple us. Uh, I grew up there for one summer. Uh, that's where I learned about my faith. That's where I learned about the calling of ministry. Uh, at a very young age, I was 13 years old, I came home. Uh, back to Española, New Mexico with a newfound faith and began to hang out with the same friends and my same uncles, same people that I had left. And shortly after that, I fell back into uh, a little bit more deeper into trouble, a little bit more into, you know, to experiment with deeper drugs. I began to skip school more often and made a kind of a lifestyle out of it, made a habit out of it until finally one day, um, uh, we, uh, we, we, we uh, robbed a vehicle we, from the school campus. We left, me and another gentleman, another young boy, we left uh, the school campus. We stole a pickup truck and police chased us and the owner of the vehicle chased us and he was shooting at us. And uh, it was, it was I, I, I still remember, it was on County Road 76, for those of you guys that are familiar with the Espanol area. And so he was chasing us and uh, by God's design, there was a school bus, it was after school, there was a school bus in front of us and I, tailgated that school bus because I knew if he was shooting at us that he would not shoot towards that school bus and uh, he wouldn't do that so I, I, I used that school bus as a shield so to speak even though I was behind the school bus uh, we lost control of the vehicle and vehicle skidded off the road as a little pickup and we ran out the vehicle and the owner of the truck began to still shoot at us as we were running from the vehicle and I remember seeing the partner that I was with, I remember just feeling him, his presence uh, fall and tumble over on my side. And I remember that vividly because I thought, he's gone, he's dead, I'm next. So I stopped. And when I stopped, I realized that he had not got shot. He lost his shoe and he tripped and he fell. And that's the only reason why we surrendered is because I thought he got shot. So anyways, we gave up. We surrendered to the owner of the vehicle and he had us at gunpoint with a 30-30, I remember, lever action rifle. And he had it pointed at my face. And as I was sitting there, 
he was shouting out, you need Jesus, you need to repent, you need Jesus. And I was um, a backslidden Christian, a teenager, backslidden. And, you know, he didn't even know me. I never met him. I've seen him throughout uh, the community every once in a while. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of breaks my heart that we did that. So shortly after that, I was sentenced to the New Mexico Boys School. That was in 1994. I got my free ride to uh, the New Mexico Boys School from Santa Fe County Detention Center. And that was March 14th, 1994. I remember that date because that date was my grandfather's birthday. And I remember uh, the night before being transported to the New Mexico Boys School, my grandfather picked up the phone. He called me, or I called him. I don't remember if you know, the call was, but I called him. And he says, Daniel, you're going you know, to the boys' school, and he told me in Spanish, portate bien. He said, you know, and don't hang out with bad people. And, uh, you know, I, I, I dishonored my grandfather because for two years, that's all I did. I acted up and didn't hang out with, you know, uh, good guys. I hung out with the bad crowd. As a matter of fact, uh, we got some pictures to show you uh, of my time in the boys' school during this broadcast. And uh, there at the boys' school is where I, I learned a little bit more how to play con games and get away with, you know, different things. But during that whole time of being at the boys' school, I uh, remained in contact with some friends by letter, by writing phone calls. And uh, I met a fabulous pastor there, Chaplain Jacob McElroy. He became my mentor. And so God wouldn't let me go. He, didn't, he had a call in my life and he would let me go. So for two years, from 1994 to 1996, I pen-paled my, who is my wife today. She was my middle school sweetheart, Esperanza. She's known as Pancha. And uh, we wrote letters. That's all we stayed in contact. Uh, every week, she'd send a letter, and I'd send a letter. And uh, her mom jokingly says that people would ask her, are you concerned about Daniel? He's coming out of the boys' school. He's in boys' school. And she would say, no, he's fine where he's at. We're praying for him. Well, in 1996, I was discharged. I went back to Española and um, didn't feel like I belonged in the local church, didn't feel like there was a place for me, especially not in a pastor's family. And um, I began to get involved in ministry with older men in the church to begin to take me at 16, 17 years old back into the juvenile hall. I began to minister with pastors, traveling evangelists, began to visit and, and travel with them throughout uh, Phoenix and uh, New Mexico and Texas and just began to just uh, allow my life to be used by God. And I remember vividly in the house that we live in today, my wife lived there at the time. She was being raised in that home. Pastor Mike, my father-in-law, who's the senior pastor of The Rock, he said, Daniel, God told me that you need to begin to use your life for ministry. You need to begin to get involved in ministry. And I remember it because I walked there every day up those same steps in that home going into my house. And I remember that, that, that challenge that day. He said, Daniel, God wants to use you in ministry. And I didn't know what it was at the time. Well, shortly after that, I began to make contact with new people and uh, people that I had been in ministry, uh, in, in the boys' school with that had volunteered and um, I began calling them. They began calling me. And I began to go and volunteer at the boys' school. And uh, I participated in many ministry opportunities at the boys' school and, and ministered to many young boys. A lot of those young boys at, were my age or a little bit younger than me. Uh, now they're in prison. 
And so no longer am I reaching them in the juvenile hall. They're in prison. A lot of the young men that I was in the boys' school with uh, are in prison today. Uh, there was a staff that I met at the boys' school. I won't say his name because he's still an employee of the state of New Mexico. He said, I lost count a long time ago. He said about 1% uh, of all the boys that I counted at one time stayed out of prison. And he says, you are probably a handful of them. And so I thank God that God spared my life. He rescued my life. Um, you know, when Pastor Mike said, Daniel, God has called you in the ministry, I didn't know what that looked like, you know. Uh, I just began to obediently follow the men that were in the church at that time. Wherever they went, I went, and I ministered the gospel, memorized a few verses, and would share that, would share my testimony. Um, and I'm grateful today because Jesus Christ has transformed my life. He changed my life. He took me out of a place of darkness. He took me out of lonely places, the Bible says he takes the lonely and he puts them in families. And I tell you, God has put me in a good family. He's given me a good wife. He's given me good children. And he's given me a good church and good ministry. He's given me great opportunities. And wherever you are this morning, wherever your darkness, whatever's calling you back, maybe you're backslidden today and you know God has a call on your life. I'm calling on you. Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation. You know, Jesus Christ, when he touches you, the Bible says that he places the Holy Spirit inside of you, guaranteeing your inheritance in the saints. You know, God's not going to let his inheritance be squandered and wasted. So if you're listening to this testimony, if you're listening to this message today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your children. You know, your plan may not ever uh be united with your children again, physically. But God still has a plan for them and He has a plan for you. And so if you've heard the Lord's voice today through my testimony, I want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We are bringing to you these messages to help develop and encourage you as a man of God, as a woman of God. We want to develop you as a believer. We want to send you messages to equip you. We want to send you the resources to enable you to grow in your faith. One of those things that is available to you if you write to us at 919 North Riverside Drive in Española, New Mexico, the address will be on your screen. We'll send you the Come Follow Me discipleship material that we've developed to invest into your life to grow. You know, when I was in the New Mexico Boys School, I spent many days in solitary confinement. They called it Aspen. And in Aspen is where I believe God did His greatest work in my life. Because I would receive Bible, ship course, Bible study correspondence through the mail, and I'd fill those out, and I'd study my Bible. I'd read my Bible and study. I would imagine myself preaching to myself. Like in this studio this morning, there's nobody here. But the studio, the camera operators, Mary Kay's in the back room. And I would imagine myself doing this very thing. But this morning, I have an audience. It's your heart. And as I would study my Bible and read my Bible, I believe that God began to put seeds of ministry in my heart. One of the things that really, really touched me, I always get emotional talking about this, is when I was one of those times in isolation in Aspen. And if you ever were at the boys' school, you know that Aspen is on the, on the administrative wing of the New Mexico Boys' School. And on Saturday, my grandfather never failed for two years. He never failed to go visit me. 
And one Saturday when I was in solitary confinement on lockdown, as they called it, he came to visit me and I seen him driving in his little car. I seen him at the central gate and he drove down. I saw him take the first parking lot that was available. He parked in that parking space. And I watched him the whole time get off of his vehicle and he was so happy. He got a brown bag of goodies to take it in to be inspected. And he used to wear this, this straw hat, cowboy hat. And um, he had his straw hat and he was smiling. He had this big smile. And he got off his vehicle and he went into administration. And I just sunk down into my bed and didn't want to look out that window no more because I knew that that smile was going to be wiped off his face. And, you know, I got the courage to pick myself up off that bed and look out that window. And as I looked out that window, the smile on his face turned to a grim, a sadness, because he was not going to be able to see me. And uh, when I remember that image, I always tell myself, how could I put them through this? How could I continue to put him through this? He was a frail old man in his 70s coming to visit his teenage wayward grandson who had been incarcerated for the majority of his teenage life. But he, my, my grandfather was faithfully loving me, faithfully visiting me. And I remember my grandfather often before I'd leave the home or when he would finish those visits, he would say, Ven, mijito, déjame persigarte. And he would do the sign of the cross on me and he would bless me and he would ask God's blessing over my life. And uh, that image never left me because I remember how much then I realized how I was breaking his heart. I was breaking his heart. He loved me as I was his only son and I was breaking his heart. And I could just imagine the people that you love, we no longer have to break their heart. Would you allow Jesus Christ to heal, you, you heal your heart, make you whole, and make you a complete man? That's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of these sermon series, is God wants to make you a complete man, and He will only do that through Jesus Christ. You can only become that complete man through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants to change you, transform you, and conform you into a new identity. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, will you just say this prayer? I surrender my life to you this morning. I surrender my life to you from this day forward, from this prison cell, from this pod, from this jail, from this home. Lord, I pray that you would set me free, that you, Lord God, would wash me in your blood, that you would forgive me. Make me a new person. Thank you, God, for delivering me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, we want you to call the number on your screen. We want you to text the number on your screen or write to us and let us know that you've said this prayer. And we want to equip you to become that new nature, that new man in Jesus Christ. Would you call us today and let us know how we can help you grow in your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. I am so honored. You know, I heard a story by the late Ravi Zacharias who met a prisoner in Angola prison. And that prisoner told him, you know, Ravi Zacharias, I am more free today than my family who was outside of prison. 
they are in a deeper prison because they're still lost in chains. So if you are outside of prison waiting for a loved one inside and your loved one has been set free and they're in prison, but you're still bound, Jesus Christ can save you as well. God bless you. I pray the Lord has spoken to you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Yourself away. Oh, 